Good Tuesday morning, everyone. Welcome to the Blue Water Climate Control VolQuest.com podcast presented to, by, presented to you by our good friends at Blue Water Climate Control for all your HVAC needs. Check them out at BlueWaterClimateControl.com or you can check them out on Twitter at BlueH2O underscore climate. Give them a buzz at 865-299-2290. You can book an appointment online. You can find out about all their services on their webpage and all they can do to help you for any of your HVAC needs, including financing. If you need a new unit, tune up for your unit, whatever your need is, they can take care of you with your heating and air system. That's Blue Water Climate Control. With Austin Price and Rob Lewis, I'm Brent Hubbs. Glad to have you along with us on this Tuesday. Guys, let's put a bow tie um, on the Vanderbilt win before we get moving in any other direction. It's obviously good to win. Uh, but for Tennessee, do you, what, what stock do you take from the Vanderbilt win? What do you take from it at all? I don't think you use the right analogy, first off. I think you're putting your fun. Putting that second coat of lipstick on the pig, um, you know, for Vanderbilt. Yeah, I, I, I think you, you did what you're supposed to do, Brent. I mean, like, you know, you won the game. Uh, you had a couple of moments where there were head scratching moments where you're like, God, this is just bad football. But then there were other moments where I thought you, you, you could, you know, look at it and go, you know, Tennessee's got a pretty good little young player there. Tennessee, you know, has some talent in this spot. So, you know, I, I think it depends on how you look at the program right now. If you still hold out hope for Jeremy Pruitt and you look at it glass half full, you're looking at it, you know, for some of the positives. If you're done and you're ready to move on to the next guy <laughs> – and then you look at it as it was just bad. I mean, I look at it as, I mean, first of all, I mean, Brent, you've written it and we've all said it. I mean, Vanderbilt's not very good. But my biggest takeaway would be, one, they're still playing hard for their head coach. I mean, I think that's that's pretty apparent and it has been, even, you know, as all the outside noises reached deafening levels at times. And, um, I mean, Tennessee's got some nice players in the freshman class. I thought we saw a little more of. I mean, certainly, you know, obviously Harrison is the – the guy you, you talk about the most, 14 of 18, still, you know, no interceptions as a starter. I mean, I think the kid looks pretty good. And then, um, you know, Jabari Small, I think, I mean, he looks like a guy that should have gotten more work this year. D Beckwith only got two chances, but, you know, looked pretty good. And then defensively, to Mary McDonald starts, he has some struggles, but I mean, the fact that, that he was a starter, Key Lawrence made a play. Tyler Barron we, 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 has already shown that he can play. I thought Cooper was a lot better in his second start. So, you know, if you're wanting to find some positives, I would say, you know, the freshman class that everybody thought was going to be pretty good does does have some talent. What do, what do we make of the quarterback situation? And I'm not talking about what they should have done in the past, okay? But, I mean, you, you got two sample you got two sample sizes now with, with Harrison Bailey and J.T. Shrout, the Florida game, uh, and, and then the Vanderbilt game. Obviously, the test is, is – there's another test coming up with Texas A&M this weekend, but – Rob, I'll start with you. What, what's your assessment of Tennessee at quarterback now that the Garantano era is over and it's these two guys that's the focus? Uh, I know they try to do some package things with Maurer, but it certainly seems like it's Harrison Bailey and J.T. Shrout uh, for a battle in the spring with Caden Salter set to join them. What, what do you make of the quarterback room and the quarterback situation right now for Tennessee? Man, I, I mean, if you could merge Bailey and Shrout, then I, I think you'd really have you know put – put Shrout's arm with, with Bailey's head, and I think you'd have something. I'm, I'm really impressed with, with Harrison's mental acumen. You know, he, he clearly grasps the offense. He knows you know, where to go with the ball. Just as importantly, he knows where not to go with it. I, mean, I think the fact that he's been out there as much as he had these last two games and, and not just had one of those, what did what, what, you see there throws? 
you know, says a lot about, you know, just what, what he's got going on upstairs. And I think Shroud, I mean, you look at him, he, he deserves to play. I mean, the two touchdown throws that he made, I mean, those were big time throws. And, and, you know, one was a total touch pass to Velas Jones. I mean, that was a great, great throw. And the one to Jalen Hyatt was just a frozen rope. I mean, hit him in stride, which allowed Jalen to, you know, turn the jets on. So, you know, I, I, it's surprising to me that Bailey seems, you know, further along mentally than, than Shroud does as, as far as having a grasp of the offense and just a feel for the game. But, um, you know, Shroud, to me, deserves to play. And I think pretty obviously got something to work with there. If the kid can, you know, just get away from making those, you know, horrible decisions like we've seen a couple of times this year. Problem is, is I, I think the what, right or wrong or indifferent, Brent, I think the staff, you know, the, the, those, 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 few mistakes that he's made they 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 almost magnified them on him and, and I think that's part of the reason that you know Harrison probably is a little further along mentally than JT is is JT in his limited time here has gotten yanked uh you know anytime he's done anything wrong and so I think you know that goes in the back of that kid's mind when he's playing and you know you're almost playing to not screw up instead of just going out there and playing free and so that that's kind of my takeaway is, you know, yeah, JT's got all the arm talent in the world, but I think mentally he, he struggles with the fact that, you know, am I one bad throw away from heading right back to the pine? So what do you think they do this week? I think you'll see them both. I think, you know, Harrison starts. And, and I do think that if Harrison starts and he's playing well, it's going to be harder for them to move to JT because I think that, you know, in this game, I don't think they're, you know, with a chance to try to, you know, upset a team that could be in the playoffs and, and end the year, you know, on a bang. I think they're going to be more apprehensive to, you know, okay, we're going to force JT in right here. I think if, if Harrison comes out and he plays well early, it'll be harder for them to kind of go that route of playing too. But I think they go into it thinking they're going to play two again. We, we did the Monday night chat um, last night, and obviously the you know the questions about Jeremy Pruitt's future dominated the, the entire chat. That's all it seems to be on anyone's mind at this point in time. How does Tennessee manage this thing? How, how do how do they? How do you think Tennessee should have managed it? How will they manage it moving forward? What what do you you know kind of where do you think? With signing day tomorrow, where do you think this thing should be, you know, and, and where do you think it is right now in, in terms of just their PR management of it? Well, I don't – you know, Rob, I, you look at this and, like, I don't think it's going to hurt them with anybody that's going to sign tomorrow. So, I don't think they really have to do anything. I, I think in a, in, a, in a different world, you're probably having to do stuff, but you're up against signing day, and it's not affected you to this point. I don't think it's going to affect you. So I don't think they really have to say anything. Let, you know, like I said the last few weeks, let the season play out and see what happens. You know, if they go out of there and they get beat 50 to 7 Saturday, obviously that helps make your mind up in, in a lot of regards. But if they go out there and they were to pull off the shocker and win Saturday, which is something that they could do, this team's got talent again. Like they, you know, I get why everybody holds no hope out for that. But at the same time, Tennessee's capable of winning the game Saturday. And if they went up there and they won the game Saturday, then obviously, then that makes your mind up as well. So let the season play out and see what happens. Rob, do you think this is a simple case that 
everything's not completely finalized yet on, on what they what they want to do. Is that is that the reason there's been no endorsement? Is that the reason Jeremy Pruitt, when asked about it on Monday, just kind of you know we'll talk about it at the end of the year? Philip Fulmer on ball calls was not extremely a hundred percent committal to everything. Do you think this is just a deal where everybody has just said, hey? As, as Austin said, let's play all the games and then we'll sit down and talk about it and see what Jeremy's plan is and see what Phillip's plan is and, and go forward from there. I mean, that's kind of how you have to read it, don't you think? I mean, if you – I mean, I think it's the easiest thing in the world to do to come out and make a statement if you know, you know, that's that, – that, that you're bringing it back no matter what. You know, with I mean, no offense to Blake Topmeyer, Blake, or Rob, but I mean, like, I, I don't know what Jeremy was supposed to say there. I mean, like, I really don't. I mean, what's he supposed to say? You know, I've talked to – I mean, he's talked to Coach Fulmer. Coach Fulmer, you know, has, has, has you know, led him to believe he, he's going to be fine. But, you know, again, all it takes is the right person to decide, okay, enough, I'm coming in here, I'll pay it, we're going to make a move. I mean, it's like Auburn. I mean, Auburn walked up to Gus Malzahn and right before a team meeting and said, you're out, you can go tell your team you got 10 minutes. I mean, like, again, anything's possible. So, um, you know, I, I just don't know. I'm not sure what Jeremy was supposed to say on Monday. I really oh, don't. I completely agree with that. No doubt about it. I'm just – my point is if you know he's coming back – I mean, I, I agree with Brent. That I, I mean, I think you just have to assume that it's kind of up in the air. Or otherwise, you know, Philip can settle the, the entire fan base down with, you know, a 30-second soundbite, and he hasn't done that. Yeah, certainly that's been the case. Let's talk a little bit of recruiting right quick. Um, Austin, you, you mentioned that, you know, all this – you know, some of the speculation and talk doesn't seem to be affecting them in that way. What, what do you expect? I mean, it seems like – I don't want to say Wednesday's a dud. It's not a dud by any means, but it, it doesn't have a lot of – it doesn't seem to have a lot of drama, not just for Tennessee, but for a lot of people around the country. It seems like it's kind of all – pretty settled at this point that, that I mean is that how Wednesday feels to you yeah I mean in a lot of ways um you know I mean Terrence Lewis is going to announce on January 2nd he's going to sign early and you know how that works you know <laughs> that'd be 64 forecasts and future casts and crystal balls and all that stuff before now on January 2nd and it'll be a you know not a surprise as to where he signs Still think Tennessee's in a good spot there. Um, you know, um, would, would anything surprise me with this kid? No. Uh, but at the same time, he is someone that's had really good dialogue with Tennessee over the last 24 hours or so uh, since things went south with Auburn. And uh, it just makes sense that he would potentially get back in on this class. He's been, been committed for so long. Um, I, I think Tennessee would, would like to add another defensive tackle in this class makes a ton of sense to me. Um, Taiwan Malone is not going to sign in December. He will not sign until February. Um, you know, but, you know, I think Tennessee would love to add another defensive tackle to this class. And then we'll see what they do with guys like Byron Young. You know, I, I just think that this thing's got some twists and turns to it coming up over the next, you know, 36 to 48 hours just to, you know, see who signs uh, early and who doesn't. Yeah, it's, it's kind of surprising to me that you know a kid would want like like Malone. I mean, what's the adva- what's the advantage to him waiting to February to make a decision or to make or to sign? What 
it's not like he can take visits and see a bunch of people. So what, what's the advantage for him there? Well, you could go visit places in January uh, on your own dime. Um, so, like, you know, if he if if he knows Miss is a factor, Tennessee is a factor, and you know, I don't know who you know who else might be a, a, a real factor for him. You could you know make a southern swing, a matter of four or five six days, and go see, you know, three schools just kind of yeah, get what, a feel for them. Yeah, I mean, are you really going to learn anything walking around in February? Are you going to learn anything walking around a college campus in January in the cold by yourself? Here's what I know. You go drive around Knoxville, get a feel for it. You go drive around Oxford, Mississippi, get a feel for it. And there's no knock on Oxford, but I mean, if you're a kid from up north, what maybe jives better? Knoxville is going to be, you know, fairly bigger than most people think when it comes to recruiting visits. And, And Oxford's a small little town. Like you, you may show up and go, man, I love this little small town or man, this is in the middle of nowhere. I'm not going there. Like you're right. I mean, what can you learn? But I think that you, when you've not really been anywhere, you can at least kind of get a feel for, okay, this is where I potentially could be going if I choose Ole Miss, or this could be where I'm going if I choose Tennessee right now, you know, outside of getting on Google earth and, you know, dropping a pen somewhere. I mean, how does he get a real feel for any of this stuff? A fair point and a good point. I, you know, I hadn't thought about it that way. Um, for, you know, I think about it more from the standpoint of interacting with coaches and that type of thing. But you make a good point. If you've never seen the town, you know, can you see yourself living there? Um, that, that type of thing. So, that, you know, there's, there's a valid point to that. Um, I still think most people are going to sign on Wednesday. Well, I, I, I 100% agree. I do think there'll be a few guys that hold out. Um, you know, and especially if you're like, I mean, like if you're looking at Auburn and, you know, they make a, you know, like what, what, any of those kids that are committed to Auburn, what, what, how does it benefit you to sign Wednesday? To me, it doesn't. Yeah. So Auburn's going to have plenty of spots come February anyway. So, I'm, yeah. I, I'm, you know, and, and it, it's interesting too. Um, you wonder, Rob, if some schools and thoughts are, you know, for always before, you know, you got to get out in front because of saving a recruiting class and all those things is the notion now you don't have – it's not as much about saving the recruiting class because of the transfer options that are out there. Because, I mean, hundreds of kids are pouring into the portal. I mean, it's – I mean, it's, you know, huge numbers every day of kids jumping into the portal. Do, do ADs, administrators, people think, hey, we can – we can salvage a recruiting year through the transfer portal and be okay. As opposed to years ago in the last few years where you're like, you know, you better make that move and thanks at Thanksgiving and, you know, hope that you got two and a half weeks to, to salvage the class of who you want and put a class together in a hurry the way Jeremy Pruitt tried to three years ago. Yeah. I think you make a really good point there that it is, that that does make an impact. And I think the, you know, the reason for, you know, moving early is not so much about recruiting. It's about, you know, starting your search while the, the, the pool of candidates is, you know, before some of them have started coming off the board and going other places. And, you know, in Tennessee's case, I don't know that any of the hires that we've seen so far would have been guys that, you know, that were really, you know, high on their board to begin with. Yeah, that's true. Um, transfer portal. Who's going to be more disappointed with the transfer portal? Coaches or the players going in the transfer portal? 
I think the player's going in the portal. You know, I, I, not I mean, the top shelf guys. Your top shelf guys, 100%, are going to go and, and be fine. But, you know, some of these guys, I think, are going to be in for a rude awakening when it comes to uh, finding uh, a new football home. I, I think the guy, you know, uh, I think a guy like Butch Jones at, at Arkansas State stands to benefit with some of these players that think they're going to find this great, you know, oasis of, of places that want them and then they don't. And then a, a place like Arkansas State has a chance to, to load up on someone. I mean, like, you don't think Brandon Johnson, you know, isn't a perfect candidate to end up at, at Arkansas State? I mean, I do, but I think there's several other players that are not involved with Tennessee that, you know, could end up at places like that, not necessarily just at Arkansas State, but that level. I agree. I think you make a really good point there. Those are, you know, there's mid, not mid majors like they are in, in basketball, but, you know, those lower tier schools, MAC schools, Sunbelt, um, the American Athletic Conference. I, I think you're going to see a lot of those teams benefit from, from this, you know, and, you know, somebody like Brandon Johnson is probably not thinking about Arkansas State right now. And I don't, I'm not saying that that's where he's going to end up, but I think you're going to see a lot of kids, just like, just like AP said, you know, think they're going to, make a lateral move from, you know, one power five program to another, that opportunity just isn't going to be there. Another recruiting question for you guys. What do you think is more challenging for coaches right now, trying to land a recruit or trying to recruit your current guys to stay? Recruit your current guys to stay because they know what is going on in the program. I mean, recruits don't always know. I mean, they sometimes think they do, you know, and, I, and I'm not talking about just Tennessee here. I'm talking about. Yeah. I mean, it's a big picture question. It's not just a Tennessee question. It's an overall overarching recruiting question. Also, go ahead. Yeah. I mean, again, like that's what I said about JT Shroud, like JT Shroud, you know, he's got the girlfriend on the softball team. Maybe he sticks around, maybe he doesn't, but you know, if you're JT Shroud, do you have any faith that you would actually get a fair look in spring of 2021? Yeah. I mean, when you got, you, you know what you're going against the Harrison Bailey, and then you got Caden Salter coming in. I wonder if, um, kind of to that same point, Hubber, with the transfer rule coming into effect, does it put pressure on coaches to play young guys earlier than they normally would, even if it's just, you know, a taste here and there? I think you have to. I mean, you know, because look, you recruited them by selling them, they were going to play early, right? I mean, isn't that the question everybody asks? I mean, how many kids in a home, went, you know, are on a Zoom call now because you can't go in a home? How many of them go, Coach, I really want a red shirt. You know, I, I want to sit and watch and, and learn. How many people do that versus these kids want, you know, want to know, hey, Coach, you know, A, can I have this number? And B, how quick am I, you know, I want to play from day one. You know, my expectation goal and, and is, to, is to play from day one. So yeah, I mean, I think with the, with kids wanting to jump the ra- jump around the way they are, I think you absolutely have to play, and and I think that's why coaches around the country right now um, are having a hard time with some of the kids because they didn't play a full schedule, you know, and they didn't play against non conference opponents where they could go out and beat up on you know whoever and get all those kids on the field and let them play a little bit and let them, you know, settle down and see where they are. I mean, there's a lot of kids around the country who feel like they just haven't been given an opportunity and they were promised an opportunity 
And, and I think the culture that we're in right now, a lot of, a lot of those kids ideas are just, Hey, pack up and go somewhere else, go to the next spot. I mean, let, let's look at the, the quarterback at Duke chase Bryce, right? He, he, can't, he doesn't win the job at Clemson. Okay. So, I mean, Trevor Lawrence is better. So Trevor Lawrence takes the job at Clemson. He goes to Duke. He plays this year at Duke as a starter. It doesn't go very well. Duke's not very good. He's back in the transfer portal again, looking to start somewhere else next year, you know, going to jump to another one. I mean, the guy's going to try to be, you know, a starter at two different schools back to back years and be at three schools in three years. Because, I, that, because that's the current model. Of right. I, I think that's just kind of where everybody's at right now, which makes recruiting, um, you know, really challenging and, and really hard because, you know, always before it was about, you know, you got to de-recruit them when they get to campus. Well, you got to de-recruit them, and then you may have to re-recruit them, you know, three or four months later at the end of the year when, when the guy's talking about leaving on you. So um, I, I think that part of it's going to be I don't, really, I don't really think hard. you can de-recruit them anymore, Brent. I, really? I, I, I don't. I mean, you know, I, I think you almost have to just continue the whole loving up process the whole time they're there. You know, I mean, again – I, I there, you know, Tennessee's got several guys that I think that would be best served to be moved on. You know, Brian Mauer's one of them. You know, he knows what he's doing when he tweets this crap, you know, and, and, and leads the fans on and they, oh, it was Mauer leaving. I mean, where is he in LA? I mean, where's he at? I mean, he knows. He knows what he's doing. Like, you know, and, and so many of these guys, it's not just him. Some of these guys know exactly what they're doing. They want, you know, to feel the love. From the fans, because ultimately, so many of these guys care more about you know getting a little bit of Twitter love or Instagram love than they do actually putting in time to work to be good on the field. All right, let's jump to let's jump to hoops right quick. Uh, Tennessee gets the win over Cincinnati. Rob, they've won two kind of slugfest, and you know on the defensive end of the floor. Uh, are you more impressed with the two wins and the in the way that they have won those games as opposed to had those been you know, 98, 94 shootouts where they had to outscore somebody to win the game. Oh, I'm impressed with them just because of the obstacles they faced with, you know, having four games canceled. Um, you know, both Cincinnati and Colorado had already been playing. You know, Tennessee had to push the pause button for 11 days. So not only missed those four games, missed some valuable practice time. Only had two days to get ready for Colorado. I'm really impressed with the defense. Really impressed. Um, they won, I mean, they won a game on Saturday. I mean, I don't, I don't think Cincinnati's great by any means, but they won a game on Saturday against you know quality opponent where they shot 32%. They won by nine. That's, um, I mean, that's pretty stout to be playing at that level on defense this early in the season. And I, I really don't have a lot of concerns about the offense. I mean, they've been ugly through the two games. I, I mean, I, offense is all about chemistry, um, you know, continuity, and I, I think you'll see them get a lot better on that end of the floor. Much better on the board Saturday against Cincinnati. Obviously, it was a huge point of emphasis. Or was that Cincinnati's not real good on the boards and, and Tennessee took advantage of that? I mean, I think there's probably a little bit of that. But I also think that after the head coach, the head coach was not happy after the Colorado game with, with the rebounded effort. So I'm not surprised that uh, they got better there. But, I mean, Tennessee out-rebounded by 13. So I don't think it was – it wasn't just all about Cincinnati. I think it was had a lot to do with the point of emphasis. But I think – I think that's going to be something to watch all season long. I mean, Fulke, I mean, Fulke is not a great rebounder. Epons is not a great rebounder. I mean, they both do some other things really, really well. But I wouldn't say that either one of them are plus rebounders. Um, I think Anasiki Anna can really help you. There. I mean, he's, he just has a knack for it. I mean, he's you can just tell. I mean, he's got 
seven rebounds that are all offensive right now. I mean, he just know, knows how to carve out space, kind of, you know, has a good feel for where the ball is going to go. And um, I think Tennessee's wings are, are really good rebounders. I think Josiah, I think that's a strength. I think Keon absolutely can, can hit the boards. And Jaden is a good rebounder for a guard. And they're going to, Tennessee's going to need those guys to help. Because like I said, as I, I don't, I don't think their bigs are, are great rebounders. Busy week for Tennessee as, as conference schedule, the conference schedule looms, you know, pretty quickly here. What, what's got to be Rick Barnes's focal point with this team uh, over this next stretch of two or three games they've got coming up? Uh, to me, it's a great opportunity to really accelerate the development of, of Keon and Jaden. And I think, I think coaches got to get comfortable trusting those guys, playing those guys, because I mean, I, I've seen enough that those, those two guys need to be getting more minutes. I mean, I mean Jaden got 28 minutes on, on Saturday. Keon got 20. I think 28 is good for Jaden. I think Keon needs to get more than 20. I think Keon might be the best player of the team. Why do you think he's not got? Why do you think he's not gotten more minutes? I think I think the turnovers are bothering Rick. He's got seven. He's played what 30, 33 minutes. He's got seven turnovers. He's gonna. I mean, that's that's bothering his head coach. That's. I mean, but I mean, I think the the, the caliber of competition they're, they're getting ready to play over these next four games. I think you got to live with it. Let him play through that, so that um. You know, he, he so just so that he develops and, and hopefully you get he gets better at that. I'll tell you what was telling for me in these first two games is how good those two kids are on defense. I mean, you don't see that a lot from freshmen. And um, both of them, when they checked in, in the, their first college game of their career, Rick had no problem putting them on um, Colorado's best player, McKinley Wright. I mean, didn't try to hide them. I mean, threw them out there. And and they were both high, high level on that end of the is that – I mean, is that the most impressive thing about this team to, to this point is their ability to guard the ball? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's so much Compar better. Compared to a year ago? Yeah, there's so much better. Um, and it's not – I mean, they're, they're so long. And, and it's not just length. I mean, Keon is explosive. I mean, great lateral quickness. Jaden, same thing. And, and Jaden's strong. I mean, Jaden can, Jaden can body you up. A lot of guards, even upper, you know, that, that's that's a big problem for a lot of freshmen. Is, you know, getting pushed around. Jaden's not going to get pushed around by, by any opposing guards. Josiah is a physical specimen and um, underrated. But Santiago, I don't think is the liability he was a year ago. I think his quickness is better. He's in much much better shape, and I just had, just has a much better understanding of um, you know what it's like to play defense at this level. But I, perimeter wise, I think they're I mean could be elite elite. And, and getting out, extending people, and pressuring the ball. Final, final hopes question. Then we'll tie we'll tie it all in and, and wrap it up a little bit with some SEC chatter. Um, but are you worried about this team's outside shooting? I know you know. I know you said you you thought they would score and the offense would would come around. You know they haven't exactly stroked it from the perimeter uh, to this point. Are you are you worried about this team's ability to shoot from outside? Teams packing in a zone, daring them to beat them from the perimeter. I think I think that'll get better. I mean, Santi, I think is a, is a great shooter or has the potential to be a great shooter. Josiah is. I mean, he showed last year that I mean, he shot around forty percent from three. I mean, he's not going to take six or seven a game, but he can knock down open jumpers. Jaden has shown that he he can shoot. He did a couple um, the other night, and Keon is a better shooter than he has shown so far. So I, I just, I just think that'll get better. I mean, I, I could end up being wrong. Bailey, you know, can, can knock him down. I, Tennessee's not going to shoot 38%, 39% from three, but they'll, I think they can be around 34, 35, which with everything else they do will be solid. 
Well, and Tennessee's poised to, and looks like they're the, you know, they, them and Missouri, best team in the co- best two teams in the conference. Early on, yes. For, I mean, Kentucky's for, uh, got issues. Kentucky has big time chemistry issues. Now they'll get they'll get better. They always do. But I I, I wonder about that team's chemistry. I really do. Yeah. Really do. And, I, and I think Alabama will be will, will come along too. Got you. Missouri surprised you out of the gate. Oh yeah. Very nobody, much. Nobody really saw that one coming, did they? Uh, well, I mean, I, I'm just going on the Illinois game right now, and I watched Illinois watched some of the Illinois Duke game. Uh, last week, it just you know felt like Illinois was was pretty darn good and didn't. I mean, I think Missouri's solid. They got some guys back. I mean, they're they're veteran. I'm, I'm sure they're I'm sure they're tough. You given their head coach and, and will defend you. But uh, I thought Illinois was 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 pretty darn good, and so I think that's a great win for Missouri. All right, so let's wrap this thing up with a little bit of of SEC talk here. How surprised were you that Auburn made the move on Gus and? and I mean, do we do we think that Auburn may really may end up promoting Kevin Steele on this thing, and that's 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 where they end up with, and, and that's how they end this thing up as a, with a head coaching replacement. I think it's certainly possible. Um, you know, I, I think that you know he's got a lot of the money backers down there in his corner, um, and so when you you factor in Kevin, you factor in Rodney Garner, who I think would have been a, a great choice. At, you know, if if a, new coach came in and didn't retain Rodney for uh, Jeremy's defensive line coach, but I think he's most likely to end up staying at Auburn. Um, you know, uh, to me, it, you know, it, it, it makes sense from kind of keeping the cohesion, but it, it just doesn't make any sense to me from a standpoint of you, you move on from a guy, you pay him $21 million and you're still promote a guy that, you know, again, doesn't have a great track record. That's not saying he can't be a really good coach the second time around. There are plenty of guys that failed as first time coaches figured it out the second time around. I think he is way better now than he was in his first stint uh, many, many, many moons ago. So, um, you know, it, it just – there's no sexy hire for Auburn if they hire Kevin Steele, pro Kevin Steele, though. Uh, they're certainly not. And surprised, Rob, that, that you're not – I mean, it doesn't seem like Hugh Freeze is going to be a factor there at all. Um Maybe that's maybe that's because the NCAA is already on their campus. Th- thanks to Bruce Pearl, I don't know, but uh, it doesn't th- doesn't seem like he's going to be a factor. And then you know, Mario Cristobal's got a big buyout at Oregon. Um, we'll, we'll see who else they interview. Auburn's got to interview some people. They can't just. I don't think they can just come to the table with Kevin Steele uh, in the next twenty four hours. I, I think they have to interview some people. But you know, I I think that one's interesting because I don't know that there's all these hot shot names floating around out there, which probably um, disappoints some Auburn fans. And it doesn't sound like Auburn was necessarily the most organized team or the most organized group of people when they made this move. I'm, I'm always surprised just from the money standpoint. I mean, just writing that, writing that check this year when, when, you're, when programs are, are losing so much money and it's not like you can spread it out. What is it? Half has got to yeah. be paid within 30 Open. days. 11 within 30 days. That's, I mean, that's, that that's what surprised me. I, you know, you, Auburn has been unhappy with him forever, uh, but um, just the, just the amount of money involved. You know, I think me. they looked at it, Rob, and they they've been. You're right. They've been after him forever, and every year he kind of was a Delmonico, Rod Delmonico. He he, he you know. Do just enough to stick around, or right before they were getting ready to fire him, he'd beat Alabama and beat Georgia and make the year six, and then. And then go right back in the tank and have these head scratching uh, swings. But I mean, I think you look at them this year. They were six and four, 
and easily could have been four and six had the refs not screwed up the Arkansas game and the Ole Miss game. And uh, so I, I just go back to, you know, they they weren't as good as they as I think they thought they would be down uh, at Auburn, and uh, they took this opportunity to say, "See ya." And he didn't have a big, a strong recruiting class to point to either. No, he didn't. Help, helps on the way. Yep, you're certainly right. He had not been. They had not lit it up in, in the recruiting world during this odd year of recruiting for sure. Finally, your thoughts on the shoe toss? <laughs> <laughs> How SEC is that, right, Rob? I mean, I, I just – just amazing that, that that happened, that Florida lost a game because of that. And deservedly so. I mean, that's just – I mean, I, I would – if I was that kid's teammate teammates, I would – I would I don't know how I would handle I'd be furious. So, now Florida out of the playoff goes and tries to spoil Alabama's party, which I think we all Good think luck. that that's probably not going to happen at, at this point in time on Saturday night. Uh, Georgia's season is done as Vanderbilt will not play. So a very light week of uh, conference games uh, coming up this week, Tennessee, Texas A&M. And the Truth be told, I don't know if they really wanted to play Tennessee, but I think once they went down the road so far, there was no getting out of it without kind of some kind of retribution from the league office. Yeah, I think, I think once they promised the league early in the week they would play, and so the league did not shuffle the Ole Miss stuff around for Texas A&M. I think I think you're you're right there, uh, Austin. I, I think that they were like, "Oh, you have to play because you told the league you were going to play." Because yeah, I mean, because the league the league could have easily moved the A and M game to last weekend, in which you know Tennessee doesn't play Vanderbilt this weekend, and my streak's still intact. Hubs, instead, it will come to an end Saturday. Yeah, it will come to an end on Saturday. You're you're exactly right. Um, it's the Austin's going to head to Disneyland or Disney World, excuse me. <laughs> and uh, hang out with the fine folks at, at uh, in Orlando. Rob and I will do our best to hold down the fort here at the end of the week and cover a little basketball and cover Tennessee football coming up this weekend as the uh, Vols take on Texas A&M. We'll have our mailbag podcast on Thursday where we take your questions and answer your questions. And we have plenty of coverage of football, plenty of coverage of recruiting, obviously with signing day and plenty of coverage of basketball as well. That's all throughout the week at VolQuest.com. That's going to do it for this edition of the Blue Water Climate Control VolQuest.com Tuesday podcast for Austin Price and Rob Lewis. I'm Brent Hubs. Thanks for joining us. Have a great rest of your Tuesday, everybody.